Good morning. If you know, John, we got the phone doing live stream of the front row. Blood out. So, woo, technology falls. You just got to go old school. That's what you got to do. You got to be able to roll with the punches. Amen. Today's message, as we read in this passage that James read, is about waiting on the Lord. We started in Lamentations last week. We met Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, and we read of his sadness. We read of the weight of mourning upon his soul. That I mean, from the depth of his pain, he wrote like 25 verses, just walking through all the hurt he was carrying from watching his homeland destroyed. He watched Jerusalem burn to the ground, and that left a mark upon his soul. Well, now Jeremiah transitions from his pain to an encouragement to those who suffer. It is, the Lord is good to those who wait for him. It is good to wait upon the Lord. So what does it mean to wait upon the Lord? Let's define our terms. What does it mean to wait upon the Lord? Very simply, to wait upon the Lord means that when you're in the midst of a trial, a tribulation, or a storm, In the midst of that hardship, your heart chooses to trust God's goodness. That's waiting on the Lord. You've decided, though I am going through these things, I trust that God is good and his salvation comes near. There's a movie, my wife and I, when we were dating, we went to a a movie. I believe we were dating. I don't think we were married yet. Put her to a thriller, a horror film, because when you're dating a girl, you go see horror movies, so she'll, you know, grab your arm or something, you know? <laughs> when saw a movie called The Village, back when M. Night could make good movies. And this movie is about this, these, these people, these pilgrims, live in this village in the 1800s, and they have a, like a, a bargain with monsters in the woods. We don't go into your woods, you don't come into our village. And it's like you feel like the weird uneasiness. There's like a tension in the movie. The music's all like kind of wee, scary. Well, at one point, the monsters come into the, the village and they ring the bell and everyone's running to hide. And like the scene is, I, I, I want to show my kids this movie, but my wife says it'll give them nightmares for too long. So I've not been able to show them the movie yet. But everyone's running and scattering. And there's this one girl named Ivy and she's blind. And she cares for this man in the village named Lucius. As everyone's running to hide, everyone has these little closets to hide into to, to, to bolt themselves in. They have, little, they have like, you know, pilgrim safe rooms. But she's not going to the safe room. So sister, sister's like, Ivy, come in. She's on the porch, blind in the dark. And she looks back to her sister. She looks back to her sister. She says, Lucius will come and make sure I'm safe. And she goes on the porch And she puts her hand out into the darkness, waiting for the man she loves to come and protect her. And the movie goes, and dude, the the music's beginning to crescendo. You hear hear footsteps of the things around. The tension's building. And the camera gives this great shot. The camera's the size of her hand. And in the darkness, you begin to see a shape coming towards her. You hear it breathing. And still she waits. She's crying. She can't see, but she can hear she's in danger. And at the last moment, oh, oh! Lucy's hand grabs her own and leads her inside and saves her. 
And in that movie, my wife, I heard it go, like just that, 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 just that, like, he loves it. Like it was incredible. That's what it means to wait upon the Lord. Like there's monsters in the village, and I know I'm in danger. But I believe my God is going to come and save me. I'm waiting upon him in this moment. I may not see where the answer is coming from, but I trust his goodness, and he's going to come for me. Here in Lamentations, we find some truths about waiting on the Lord. The first truth is this. The waiting is good for us. The the act of waiting on the Lord is good for our souls. Listen to the text, verse 25. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. He repeats his idea twice. God is good to those who wait for him. Not only that, it's good for you that you should wait. And we all know this. We all know this. You ever meet a child that's never had to wait for anything? Whenever the baby cries, the parents are, here's a sucker, here's a chocolate, here's a teddy bear, ah! That kid never learns to self-soothe, right? We have to learn sometimes to wait. There's there's an old test, there's an old, there was this old study done back in the 80s. Kids were brought into this room, told to wait for the test to start, and they'd bring in some freshly made cookies. Choco chip, everyone's favorites. They're brought in all warm and toasty, smelling good, and they're told, listen, you can eat that right now if you want. Or you can wait 10 minutes and have three cookies. Tough call, man. I mean, it's right there in front of you. Now, kids, some kids, the person left, there's like, rah, 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 eat it up. Some kids were like, okay, okay. And they'd, they'd wait, they'd sit back. And these are like, like five, ten-year-old kids. Some kids would wait, get three instead of one. And the, they, they, uh, the, the researchers followed these kids through life. And they, what they found was fast. They found the kids who could, who could like, like this, who chose, who could wait for gratification, those kids did better in every single metric. In school, in employment, in relationships. That ability to wait for, 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 for pleasure allowed them to succeed where those who couldn't wait fell down fast. Waiting on the Lord works a muscle in our soul. James said it this way. James, the brother of Christ, that this way, in James chapter 1 and verse 2, he says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Count it all joy when you meet trials. Why? For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. James says, listen, the pain you go through produces good in you. It gives you grit. My wife and I, every few years, read a book on marriage. Just to keep our stuff our fresh, you know? We've married 18 years, want to keep things like, make sure we're talking, make sure we're having the conversations, make sure we're not just coasting. 
I have come to realize there's a type of book, marriage book, that I hate. I hate marriage books by 20-year-olds who have been married for four years. These super pastors who have big churches, been married for five, six years, writing these books on marriage, I'm like, what have you been through? Like, what do you, what do you even tell anybody? You're a newlywed, dude. You've got a diaper on still. What are you talking about? I want a book by 60, a couple have been married for 30 or 40 years who have buried their children, who have held on when they thought they were never going to make it. I want them to tell me how to do this. I want people with scars on their face to show me how to walk the path. I don't want them clean, some fresh face, fresh face, clean cut kid. This is how you do it. What do you know? Show me your scars. Brendan Manning once said, God cannot greatly use a man until he has greatly broken a man. I'll change it for you. God cannot greatly use a woman until he has greatly broken that woman. The pain we go through, it develops endurance. We learn how to hold on. The pain we go through develops humility. Because as we sit in our suffering, we realize, man, life is hard, and it makes us less judgmental on other people. We see people going through their hard thing, man, you're like, man, I, I, I have doubted. I have been shaken. I have faltered just like you. So we're less quick to judge because we have had, in that oven of suffering, we have been brought to the same level as everybody else. I'm not the man. I am dust. Waiting on the Lord, that period of time where we're in the suffering, waiting on the Lord's salvation, it grows us up. It, it, we mature in our faith. Our faith becomes faith. It's tried by fire. It is good for us to wait on the Lord. But the waiting is hard for us. It's easy to say it builds character. Here's the reality. Here's the reality. The things that have made me who I am, the things that have, I think that have shaped me the most as a person, those events, I couldn't have gotten here without them, but I would never relive them. You understand what I'm saying? They, I'm... The Lord used them to form me, but I wish them upon nobody. Do you understand? Because it's stinking hard. And he said, dude, in Lamentations, Jeremiah says, it is hard. He says, listen, verse 27, it is good for a man that he bear this yoke in his youth. Yoke, burden. He says, let him sit alone in silence when that burden is laid on him. The waiting is a weight. It is a, the waiting on the Lord is a burden we carry. He says, let him put his mouth in the dust, meaning you are down so low, your faith is in the sand, yo. That's how, if you, you're praying so low, you're on your knees, on your face, your face is in the dirt. That's how low you are. Let him give his cheek to the one who strikes. Let him be filled with insults, meaning the waiting we're accepting the suffering. 
We're taking the hits. And they keep on coming. That's hard. There are five stages of grief, they say. There's denial. I'm fine. There's bargaining. Tell you what, I'll do this if you do that. There's anger. Why is this happening to me? There's depression. And to get through all four of those bad boys, there's finally where we got to get to acceptance. This is happening. I'm going through this. This is my life. And I trust that even though it's hard, I trust God has a plan for even this. Jeremiah is a refugee in Egypt. His home is burned to the ground. His friends are in slavery in Babylon. That's his life. Every wakes up, got to learn a new language, got to go to the market and buy Egyptian food instead of awesome Israeli food. It's, it's a, it's, listen, it's a hard, it's, that's his everyday reality. That's hard. Waiting on the Lord is difficult. Most of us, when we go through the pain, we do where we can to stop the suffering. We try to fix it. We try to, we panic, but we do, we panic. I'll do whatever I have to do to stop this bleeding as soon as possible. There's a guy in the Bible named King Saul. In 1 Samuel 13, we find Saul, the king of Israel, the first king of Israel, and he's in a bad spot. He's gone out to war. And Samuel, the judge, the prophet, the priest, is going to come and offer a sacrifice and ask God's blessing on the battle. But Samuel has not come. And people, his army is panicking. Some are starting to leave. He's like, oh, he's a leader watching his organization fall apart. So he panics. So what does he do in this moment? Is he waiting the Lord? No way. He takes matters into his own hands. It says... Verse, uh, 1 Samuel 13, verse 8, Saul waited seven days, the time appointed by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattering from him. So Saul said, bring the burnt offering here to me and the peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. Now, you understand something? In the law of Moses, only the priest brought the knife to the animal's throat. Like The, the, the priest had to be cleansed to approach God. And Saul takes a shortcut around the priesthood. As soon as he had finished offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. And Saul went out to meet him and greet him. Samuel said, what have you done? Saul said, when I saw people were scattering from me, you did not come within the days appointed. The Philistines had much of that mishmash. I said, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal. I have not sought the favor of the Lord. So I forced myself and offered the burnt offering. And Samuel said to King Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God with which he commanded you. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. Saul panics and he cheats. And we do the same thing. When things get hard, we try to find an easier way out. When I, we first started at Flint City Church, 
It was in our living room, and we had no offerings of any kind. My wife and I, it was hard financial times for us. I remember there was times I'd look at the, doing the bills at night, and she would come up behind me, put her hand on my shoulder, and she could feel the stress coming off because I just didn't know how we were going to make it. We had a meeting with some local pastor. We had met in the city, had hit it off real well. I meet with this guy, and he offers me a grift, a scam. Essentially, we could take some blood money into the church, hold it for six months, give it back as a donation to this person, as, you know, as, a, as, a, as a love offering, and keep 10% for myself. We were, the, we were laundering the money. You understand what Monday laundering is? The, the, the drug dealer gives you the money, you hold it for a while in the account, you give it to him as a love offering, and keep 10% back. That's 10% is your, is your finder's fee for doing such. He said, what's up with $20,000 every month? That's two grand in my pocket. Now, two grand pays a lot of bills, don't it? Two grand, I mean, that's, that's a vacation, yo. That's, that's a car, yo. That's like, you know. It was a car two years ago. I felt temptation. Part of me was like, Lord, I will love this money for your kingdom. You, 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 you tell yourself a story, you know what I'm saying? Lord, I'm your servant. This is going to help out one of your servants. Ain't that okay? Temptation comes. You want to cheat the system, but I'm like, oh, man. I have to sit in this and wait on the Lord. I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know when the money will come. I don't know where it will come from. i got to trust his hand and not try to reach out and take it myself. And so I told that guy, I can't do this thing because my integrity is worth more than $2,000. And God's blessing in this church is worth more than $2,000. You know what I'm saying? It's hard to wait on the Lord. It's hard. It's hard to sit there in the hurt, not knowing how, when, or where salvation will come from. But man, God says it is good for us to sit there and wait on him. It, 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 it works a muscle inside of us. We learn to trust him, and that trust is deep, deep down. It's not a fickle or weak faith. That faith is iron, yo. My wife and I, we have laid down a lot of dreams on the path we've been on. And I want to speak too out of turn. I used to, I'm not saying doubt is like evil. We all go through doubt. God, are you there? God, do you care? God, do you hear me? We all go through that, right? That's normal human emotion. Read the Psalms. David says it all the time. Oh, Lord, how long will you forget me forever? We've been through some battles that were so heinous and the losses were so great, I rarely doubt anymore. So I'm like, man, like I've lost more than this and God was there then. So I'm guessing he, he, he's here now. Amen. The waiting developed iron trust in him. I fell further than this and he caught me then. And we learned to trust. The waiting is hard. But thankfully, the waiting comes to an end. Jeremiah continues in Lamentations. He says this. 
for the Lord will not cast off forever. Jeremiah's in Babylon, or he's, he's in Egypt. The walls of Jerusalem have been torn down brick by brick. The temple burned. The palace burned. The king, a slave with his eyes burned out in a prison in Babylon. It's bad. But Jeremiah goes, the Lord does not cast off forever. Jeremiah's like, we are God's children. He's going to come back for us. I don't know when, I don't know how, but he's, I believe his salvation must return. Hard seasons don't last forever. They don't. This life is not only suffering. There is joy. There is joy. There are, there's great beauty in this world. Sometimes it's all mingled up. It's both ends. I wish seasons would just be like suffering season, joyous season, you know? You know, it's like January 3rd, suffering season stops, January 4th, good season begins. Yeah! It's not how it goes, though. It's all mingled together. I'm going to tell a, I'm gonna just, I got this dog, and it wakes up at like 4.30 sometimes, and it whimpers and whines, and I push for the dog, which means it's my ability. Like, it's never Angie's dog, it's always my dog. Even when it's good, it's still my, like, it's never her, it's, it's, like, it's like, go see your dad, it smacks the dog away. 4.30 wakes up, I got to get up and get that up before it's Angie up, or I'm in trouble, so I get up. <laughs> After the other day, it was three degrees outside. It's 4.30. It's three degrees. I'm trying to tie my boots. Oh, I got to put my, like, all my winter clothes on, gloves on, hood. I go for my walk with the dog. I want to sleep in, right? Sleeping in is of the Lord. Well, sleep is of the Lord. That's true. I may be griping and grumbling the whole time getting dressed. When I open that front door, I'm always like bracing myself, like, oh, how bad is it going to be? We go out. I say what's happened. These mornings of cold, these mornings of tiredness, have given way to sweet times with the Lord. We never guessed. That, the, that the, the hard thing and the good thing would be the same thing. But it's the same secret thing. The Lord is not cast off forever. Listen to what else he says. But though he cause grief, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love. For he does not afflict from his heart or grieve the children of men. I love this. He does not afflict his children from the heart, meaning though the Lord may have to chasten his children, that is not his stance. The God of heaven is not there with a belt going, come on, mess up, baby, let's do this. He's not, in, uh, the, the Bible does not say the Lord is vengeance. The Bible says God is love. That's his heart. That's his like operating procedures. He does deal with us when we're sinners. He does. But his desire is to bring blessing. I mean, the word says he desires that none should perish. 
God's heart is that every person on the earth would know his son Jesus Christ and in knowing Christ, know the Father and be made whole. That's his heart. Even for the wicked fools who curse his name, what did Christ say? Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. That's God's heart. He doesn't, when we're stupid and he puts us in our place, he doesn't enjoy that. I got two kids, I got to punish them sometimes. I don't like it. I don't come home from work going, man, I hope my kids are bad so I can see and put them through a wall today. That's not how I live my life. My, 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 what, my default position, I want to buy them a Slurpee. That's my default position. My default position is I want to give you Dairy Queen and little toys and play a video game with you. That's my default position. I want to, I want to bury you with blessing. But if you curse your mama, I have to crush you. That's just what it is. No lie. The other day at the table, one of the kids was mean to mom, and I'm like, you be mean to me. If you're mean to her, I have to kill you. No, that, forget, that, that's not the way. I'm going to say it. I'm say it. I have to crush you. That's a better way to say it. Crush. 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 I have to crush you. The Lord, his heart is to love his children and give Jeremiah hope. I was talking to a, uh, a family this week. This family is a married couple, and they've, been, they've had a really hard three years. They have made some moves, taken new jobs, and things didn't go the way they want them to go. You know, you ever like, you take, make, make a move, and you hope this move's going to be a good move, then it goes bad? Move to a new place, get a new job. It's not what we thought it was going to be. Things are hard. Things are bad. You go through great suffering, and when that happens, you assume what? You assume that I hear the Lord wrong? Was this a mistake? This couple goes through these years of just recovering from these decisions. And they're hard, hard years. Jobs weren't very good, making very little money, living in bad places. And just recently, the doors have opened for them. And they, they were talking as a couple and realizing, man, Look at where we are right now. Look what God's doing in our lives. And the wife said this incredible, incredible phrase. She said, maybe we, maybe we heard God right the whole time. He led us to that hard place and that hard job and these hard three years. And that journey led us to this place. I'll quote Rich Mullins who once said, I can't see how you're leading me unless you've led me here to the place where I'm lost enough to let myself be led. The waiting is good, but it's hard. But as you wait, know that the sun rises. Salvation does come. And it might not come in this life. Jeremiah will never see do some rebuilt. Jeremiah will die in Egypt. But his cousins, or sorry, his nephews and nieces will see Jerusalem rebuilt. Under Ezra and Nehemiah, they will watch people of God restore to the promised land. They'll watch the temple rebuilt. They'll watch worship once again enter into Israel. They will see God has not forgotten us. 
God will literally move in a king's heart in Persia and he'll let all the slaves go free. When does that happen in the world? Not with, no war, just like, you know, I had a dream and God told me to do this, so you're all free. And they all come back to Jerusalem. We may not see salvation for our, our, whatever we're waiting for, we might see it in this life. We might pray for a healing from a disease and it may not come. But still we wait. And we wait with this heart. I, I end in Daniel 3. We're actually in Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar, the very man who burned Jerusalem down, builds a statue and tells all his people to bow to it. And when everyone bows, three Jewish boys refuse to bend the knee. And these three Jewish boys are brought before the king, which has to be horrifying. You're, you're a slave in tattered clothes before royalty, the crown, the linens, the silk, his guards in the, the royal chambers. King's like, if you don't bow, you will die. So we, I'll give you another chance. Will you bow? That's what these three boys say. Daniel 3.16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. The three boys are like, you know what? Our God is able to save us. And even if he don't, I'm waiting on him. Even if we die today, I'd rather die with him than live for your stuff. And God saves him. I'm not promising you that salvation is around the corner. I don't know where it is. But we're told in his word, sometimes way on the Lord is the path we've got to take. And it's tough. But listen, that place is a crucible that will grow you into the person that God desires you to be. The only way to maturity, the only way to wisdom, the only way to true spiritual maturity is through suffering and suffering well. It says in this passage in Lamentations, it is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Not only do we wait, we wait and our heart and its hope is not bitter, negative, or angry. We wait in silence with great hope. So with that said, let us pray together. God in heaven, there are some in this room this day who are waiting on you for many things. Lord, a better job, a breakthrough with the doctors, a breakthrough with the kids, wait upon a spouse, someone to love and who will love us in return. We wait. Help us to wait faithfully. 
Help us to wait patiently. Help us to wait with a spirit of great trust in your goodness. You are good, O oh Lord. Christ, we ask all these things. Amen.